Well, if you're here for the first time, I'm sorry. <laughs> that probably made no sense. We're in a series called Weird, where we're talking about uh, when Jesus taught, he gave us options on how we're going to live, and he gave us choices. And you can choose to live the normal way, you can choose to live the weird way. The way Jesus talked about it in the book of Matthew chapter 7 was, he called it the wide road and the narrow road. He said, he said it like this, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. So in this third week of this series called Weird, we're still talking about how Jesus said, look, there's a way that most people go. And it's a wide road and a lot of people go and the gate's easy and it just looks like the fun path. But there's another way. It's narrow. Fewer people find it. But the ones who do really find life. The ones who do are, are different. The ones who do are, are weird not weird in a bad way or weird in a, a scary way, but, but weird in a God way. Weird in a way that says, you know what, I see that life over there that everybody else is doing and I don't want to do that. Because if I want this normal life, if I want what normal people have, I need to do what normal people do. But if you want what few people have, you need to do what few people do. And so we've been going through different sections of scripture talking about how we can be weird, because normal isn't working for the masses. There must be some other way. There's some Bibles coming down the aisles right now. If you don't have one, just raise your hand. The ushers will give you one. You can take one of those home with you if you want one. You can read along in there as I read, and you can leave it in the back on the way out. Or you can also read on the screen. At LifePoint, we believe the words in that book are true. And they're absolute, and they lead you to a knowledge of what it means to have a relationship with Christ. So get one of those if you don't have one, or follow along on the screen. Well, I have a confession to make. And as I was preparing this message, I thought, am I going to confess my hypocrisy up front? And just tell everybody, I want you to know there's an area of my life, or areas, where I'm just a hypocrite. And I'm going to tell you to do something today that I'm not good at. I'm going to encourage you and challenge you to, to go down this narrow path, through this narrow gate, and I'm still trying to get on this narrow path. I am horrible at drawing boundaries. I'm horrible at slowing down. I'm horrible at knowing when to say, okay, that's enough, I'm not going to do anymore. I'm horrible at taking time to just rest. You could say workaholic. But in the scriptures, Jesus comes back over and over again and says, look, there's a way that I want you to live. There's a way that I want you to act. There's a way I want you to be that's just different. But I'm bad at it. At 3.30 on Monday morning, as I'm, even though I was thinking about this message weeks ago, at 3.30 on Monday morning last week, I was, I was writing and sending it out to the teachers at the other site saying, here you go, I'm done. Take a look. Why did I do it then? Because it's the only time I felt like I could get some quiet, I could get some peace, and there just wasn't noise like the kids' noise coming through that door. Do you hear that, Rob? 
you mind to shut that door back there? That's really bothering me. <laughs> so it's just, it's just constant things. This, it'll become obvious as I continue talking. Y'all can't hear those kids like yelling down the hallway? I'm easily distracted. <laughs> and I don't do a good job at the rest part. And yet that's what we need to talk about when we're talking about are, are we going to be on the wide road? Or are we going to be on the narrow road where you think people are just kind of weird? You probably deal with the same thing, right? Finding time to rest. And we think, well, a stressed out life where everybody's stressed out, the family's stressed out, the kids are stressed out, and, and, and everybody's just busy all the time and, and can't ever stop. You probably think, well, that's just normal. If you go to Amazon.com and you type in slow down or how to slow down, you get over a quarter million references of book titles on how to slow down. If I said, raise your hand if you want to slow down. Raise your hand if you would like life to go at a little bit slower pace. Why is it that we just think that running fast and never stop? Why is it we think that's normal? That's just normal. That's just what everybody else does. Why do we think we have to be on that wide road? We would, there's reasons. I mean, I would like to slow down a little bit. You know, when I was a kid, spankings, while they were painful, they really didn't work. Here's what worked. We had this big yellow chair in our living room. And my mom would say, boy, you get in that chair. And you sit there and don't get up until I say. And it would feel like hours. It was probably just like three minutes. But I, I can remember sitting in that big yellow chair and thinking, my friends are outside just like conquering the world and things are happening and I'm missing. And there's just this huge party just outside the walls of my house and I'm missing it because I, I, I got to sit still and I, I just was so uncomfortable sitting still. And then that's how a lot of people live their lives. They just don't want to miss out. And so we stay busy and it's hard to rest. It's hard to stop. Our 16-year-old, when she was real little, she would come in our bedroom late at night and say, Daddy, I can't sleep. You know, would wake me and send her up and we would try to talk to her. We'll go back and go to bed. And she would say, but I feel like I'm going to miss something. And Cinda would look at me like, mm-hmm. <laughs> that comes from you. <laughs> That's your fault. And I could just see this little girl going back up the steps thinking, they're having a party. As soon as I shut my door, there's a party. They bring out all the dancers and they blast the music and things. There's a party going on and I'm going to miss it. And she just felt like, I can't sleep, Dad, because I'm, I'm just going to miss something. Deep inside of you, you know that you're not stopping because you think you're going to miss something. If I just miss that opportunity or miss that raise or, or miss meeting just the right person, it's going to help me advance. And then we think our kids are going to miss something. So let's just fill our kids' schedule with everything we could possibly fill it with so they don't miss anything. They could get a scholarship or get a great opportunity or, or be famous. And so let's just stress our kids out too so we can enjoy this together as a family. And yet deep inside we know and we long to go through that narrow gate of slowing down and of resting. Normal is this wide road of stressed out, overbooked schedules, fast-paced lives that does nothing but chew you up and spit you out. That's normal. 
that's normal to just go too fast for your own good. In the 1950s, when the, when the military was first experimenting with supersonic flight, they, they were breaking the sound barrier. And this jet, you can read this article from October 1952, a jet actually shot itself down. And it did that because it, it fired its guns, but it was going faster than the bullets were coming out of the gun. So it ran into its own bullets and crashed. It's true. Just Google it. Not just a story. It really happened. It was going too fast for its own good. And there's a lot of you walked in here today, you're going too fast for your own good. You're going too fast for your family's good. You're going too fast for your own health. And you're just going too fast and you're going to end up shooting yourself down. There's a different way. You don't have to go through that wide gate with everybody else. You can be different. You don't have to be normal. You can be weird and say, we're going to live differently. We're going to go through this narrow gate and we're just going to get into God's rhythm of work and rest. So it's pretty common to ask somebody, how's life going, man? It's busy. I got, oh gosh, I got all this stuff going on. I'm so important. Come and give me a pat on the back. It'd be weird if you ask somebody, how's it going? I'm resting all the time. I just finished resting a whole day. I'm resting and I'm revived and I'm rejuvenated. How are you doing? If somebody said that, you would, you would think, all right, they're lazy. They're independently wealthy and they don't have to work. I mean, something's going on. We would think it was really weird for a person to be rested. And that's one of the hardest things as a leader that's why I say I'm a hypocrite at this, because I'm always thinking about what's out there, always thinking about what's later, always thinking about what's, what's a few months or weeks or even years down the road, and it's hard to just stop and live in and rest today. People dealt with this in Jesus' time, too. This is nothing new. It's not a, a new phenomenon in our, in our age of all of our technology. It's not just now, 2,000 years ago, even 4,000 years ago, people were dealing with not getting enough rest and not slowing down. Jesus said this in Matthew 11, verse 28. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus goes on to say, not just, not just rest like sleep or not doing anything, but rest for your souls. And I see person after person getting on this wide road and walking through this wide gate that's really easy to find and really easy to get on and live in life in the fast lane and the one thing they need is rest for their soul I bet just this week most of you dealt with something where you thought if I could just rest if I could just have a break if I could just catch my breath and Jesus is saying with me you can now, it won't look like over here. It'll look different. Your life will look different. Your decisions will be different. Your family will look different, but you can rest. So many of us today need to open up to Matthew chapter 11 and have a come to Jesus meeting. I mean, my, my principal in elementary school, I can remember, he, Mr. Adams would say, Donnie, we need to have a come to Jesus talk. And I came to know what that meant. It had nothing to do with Jesus, really. It had to do with this big board that, you know, whack. But a lot of us need to have that, a come to Jesus time where we come to Jesus and say, yes, I want rest. I want rest for my soul and I want to slow down. Jesus was talking to a group of people when he said that who were, they were oppressed by their government. They were oppressed by their religious leaders. Things were tough and hard and they needed 
rest. I see people today living really tough, hard lives, most of which they bring on themselves, but Jesus is still there offering this rest. See, Jesus himself rested. He didn't, he didn't provide for someone what he wasn't willing to do himself when he got tired, when he worked hard. Jesus rested. Listen in, in, Matthew, in Luke chapter 5, how Jesus obeys this rhythm of work and rest that God laid out for us. Luke 5, it says, Yet the news about him spread all the more, so the crowds of people came to hear him and be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. He went to be alone and he, to reconnect with himself, to reconnect with God. And Jesus having all this pressure on him, the Son of God had to get alone and pray. He didn't just do it himself. He led his followers to do the same thing. In Mark chapter 6, there's this episode recorded of the apostles coming back after doing some teaching. And it says, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going, they didn't even have a chance to eat. He said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. If you don't write down anything else today, if you don't leave with anything else, leave with this. Write this down. I need rest. You need it. You have to have it. Life will self-destruct without it. Somewhere, some way, somehow, you may think you're tough and all that right now, but you will self-destruct if you don't get the kind of rest that God wants us to have. I mean, people brag about being busy, right? Oh, I'm so busy. I'm cutting deals. I'm doing all this stuff. They brag about it. If you go 24 hours without water, you feel it. Can't ignore that for very long. You can't go without food. You can't ignore that for very long. And if you ignore this narrow gate of rest, things in your life will start to unravel. Things will start to come apart. You need rest. In the same way your body would cry out for water and cry out for food, your soul will cry out for rest. When things get stressful, when we're confused, when we're agitated, it's our body saying, it's time to rest. But what we do, we manufacture energy. I bought a 20-ounce cup of energy this morning. <laughs> right down in the corner at Starbucks. And I sucked that thing down, so I, I got busy. Give me the thing with the most caffeine. And it's like I found out a year or so ago, chai tea. I said, well, how many pumps of chai you put in there? Four. Give me eight. <laughs> I got to stay awake till like 12 o'clock. And I got to have energy, and I got to keep people's interest. So, you know, jack that thing up with as much caffeine as you can. And so we try to manufacture our energy. And you would be lying if you watched those commercials about a five-hour energy drink and say, you know, I... I don't need that. You found yourself going in the, in the convenience store. I wonder if that really works. I wonder if I should get one of those. Or your coffee or your Red Bull or your Monster Energy drink. Something to manufacture energy because I, what you really need is not more manufactured energy. You need rest. Study after study has shown that 
Going without rest leads to health problems, heart problems, anxiety, depression. Productivity at work does not go up the more you work. It goes down. There's a point. There's this tipping point. And if you, if you go past it, you can have all the caffeine in the world and you will not be more productive because what your body is crying out for is rest. There are times when my wife and I are talking and, and, and sometimes we're disagreeing maybe on something or I'm being a little grouchy, a little short, and the whole family... I mean, they immediately, they look at each other as if to say, dad needs a nap. <laughs> and occasionally, Cinda will draw that emotional line and say, go take a nap. You know, I'm tired of listening to you. Stop whining, stop, just go take a nap. Because they know, once dad takes a nap, he gets rejuvenated, he's happy again. He turns back into himself again after he has a nap. Anybody else like that? Yeah. I mean, naps can change your life. Afternoon naps increase performance. There's a guy on our staff at our West location, Casto Fernandez, and he was born in Cuba, grew up in South Miami, and he, when we were talking about this message, he said he remembered his dad coming in every day at 2 o'clock, being from Hispanic culture, they were into the siesta, his dad would come in, take a nap, and then go back out to work. His dad was always happy and rested. We need that. You know, Jesus took naps. He really did. There's a whole story about Jesus in this boat with his disciples trying to get away from everybody so they could rest. And he falls asleep in the front of this boat and the big storm comes up and creates a whole other story to talk about. But Jesus fell asleep, took a nap in a boat while everybody else was worrying about what was next. You're like Jesus when you take naps. I'm going to go home this afternoon I'm going to be like Jesus. <laughs> if... If somebody says, what are you doing? I'm just going out in the bonus room. I'm going to be like Jesus for a little while. <laughs> because he took, he took a nap. So you need to take a nap. This tells us that rest is not a luxury. Rest is a necessity. And God gave us these examples of how life should work. Work and rest and these rhythms of how life should be. God rested. Six days he created, what did he do on the seventh? Rested. Now, it wasn't because God was like, I'm so tired, those elephants wore me out. It was for him to establish a rhythm of how we're supposed to rest, work, and rest. When God was giving his ten commandments, there's many more than ten, but the top ten. In the top five, in fact, the fourth one is, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. The only thing that beats out resting is having no gods before him, don't worship idols, and don't take God's name in vain. And while you're doing all of that, make sure you rest. Sabbath means a ceasing. Stop what you're doing and rest. And so God told his people, get with this rhythm of work and rest. It applies to every part of life. Because if you just work, 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 and never stop, never stop, and never rest, you're going to rest. One way or the other, you're going to rest. You either do it willingly or not. You either get with God's rhythm or God's rhythm is going to find you sooner or later. The book of Leviticus in the Old Testament tells about all of God's commands for the Israelite nation. And some of them we read are kind of weird. It doesn't make sense, but it made perfect sense to them 4,000 plus years ago. One of the things God says when he was telling the farmers, he said, look, I want you to farm the land for six years, but on the seventh year, I want you to let the land rest. I want you to give the land a Sabbath. Take a whole year off and don't farm it. Well, that's God's principle of work and rest because the farmers wouldn't have known this, but 
what it was doing, it was replenishing all the nutrients in the ground so the next year's crop could be really good and they could have enough food and they could sell enough and make enough money to survive. And God was giving this, them this principle of work and rest and work and rest. Now, they could have just said, God, we got deadlines to meet. We got quotas to hit. You mean not farm for a whole year? And they could have just kept farming. They might have made it 10, 12, 15 years, but eventually the soil would just be dead because they would have had no way to replenish the nutrients. There are big consequences when you don't get with God's rhythm of work and rest. Consequences like you come home and the spouse says, you know what, I'm sick of this. I'm sick of just being married on a piece of paper and never seeing you. I'm sick of our kids never having a mom or dad at home. I'm sick of all the bills. I'm sick of all the debt. I'm sick of all the stress. And if you go back and say, how did we get here? Somewhere along the line, you chose to walk through the wide gate of life in the fast lane like everybody else. Instead of walking through the narrow gate and finding life. There are consequences when we don't go with God's plan. In the 1930s, you know what happened in the U.S., the Dust Bowl? You know what, why that happened? They overfarmed the land, and then a drought came, and it threw, all, the, all the dirt blew away. People starved because of that, because they violated this principle of work and rest. And work and rest. If that doesn't convince you, Think about this. God worked six days and rested. He told the Israelites, rest. Then Jesus comes along and Jesus takes time to rest and take his followers to rest. Now, if God, the creator of the universe, took rest and Jesus, the savior of mankind, rested, why do you think you don't have to? Why do you think you cannot rest and everything be okay? What you're saying is, God... I know you rested, but hey, look at me. I'm successful. Jesus, I know you rested, but you, you didn't have the job I had. You didn't have the boss I have. There's no way your job is more important than Jesus' job was. No way it's more stressful. I don't care what it is. And if he had to get away and rest, then you definitely do. So if you're saying, I don't need rest, I don't need rest, you do. I think the biggest reason that we don't rest is because we don't know how. We just don't know how to do it. You know, when I leave for vacation, if we take a one week or two week, whatever it is, we're in the car, we're driving along or we're flying somewhere, and it's a few days into it before my family starts to say, Dad's finally here. He finally showed up. Oh, his body was here the whole time. But his mind and heart were back at home getting stuff done, making sure everything was all right, staying on the phone, just disengaging from everything. It takes a few days. And I imagine if you were really honest, you would say, I would love to rest. I just don't know how. And I'm going to give you some ways today, a couple of things you can just start doing today to rest. If you ever read the Old Testament, there's a book called Psalms that has all this great writing, which were songs about God and about his faithfulness and about his love. And, and as you look through the Psalms, if you've ever read them before, there's this word that appears a little over 70 times at the end of one verse or at the end of a paragraph or end of several Psalms. And it's a word, Selah. 
And if you've ever read and thought, what does that mean? I mean, it's, it's over and over again. Through 70 some of these Psalms, it says Selah. Well, the word Selah, S-E-L-A-H, means to rest or to take it in or to better way to say it is to stop and think about it. So the writer says these profound things about God and then he says, stop and think about it. Take a minute and just take it in because we tend to just, okay, got that one, got that one, let me read this one, let me read that one, apply that to my life, okay, put that one on my dashboard, that'd be great. And to just, just stop and think about it for a minute. Read it again. Think about how it applies to your life. Listen to this Psalm 62. Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. And then it says, Selah. It says, think about it for just a minute. And if you just zipped on past it, it would be like, without stopping and thinking, it would be like me standing up here and never taking a breath, never raising or lowering my voice, never pausing, just one big long sentence, never stopping, no punctuation, just trying to get the whole thing done in like 10 minutes so we can go home. And not only would I pass out, you'd get really bored fast. So the writer of Psalms says, Stop and think about this for a minute. So we're going to do something. We're going to do something a little weird. We're going to be quiet for three minutes. And you go, nothing. Just wait, three minutes. Three minutes, look at the screen. Think about this verse. Stop thinking about the grocery list or lunch or whatever it is you got to do. And just think about this verse. Just, just stop and say la for three minutes. Starting now.
man, wasn't that hard? Three minutes, uncomfortable tension. Are they staring at me? What are they looking at? They staring? I mean, all these things are going through my head, and you hear noises and people, and isn't it hard to just stop and just do nothing for three minutes? That may have been the most quiet. You might be going, oh, thank you. That's the only thing I'm going to get today of silence. It's, it's not going to be like that for the rest of the week. Thank you. When we plan the service, we're like, okay, guys, we got 60, 65 minutes tops. And, you know, we just, we got to plan this thing. And, hey, Joel, Eddie, when you're putting this in, let's not make any silence. Because if there's any silence, people start thinking about work and shopping lists and what they're doing for lunch. And you just keep it going. Don't stop it. Keep it full. And yet God says, get with this rhythm that involves rest. We would do well to Selah just three minutes every day this week just to remove the distractions and take a little baby step and if I'm going to rest we didn't get through three minutes here without distractions so if I'm going to rest I've got to learn how to remove distractions from my life in the Old Testament there was this practice that people still do today it's the practice of fasting and there's a lot of benefits to fasting in the, in, in the Old Testament. It went much deeper than just going without food. But just think about it. If you lived 4,000 plus years ago, no refrigeration, no stores, no way to just store up a bunch of food, what would be the first thing you would think about when you got up? Food. I need food. I got to go kill it. I got to catch it, steal it, something. I got to get some food. And then as soon as you ate that, guess what you had to think about? Food. When am I going to eat again? And as soon as you ate that, you could never stop thinking about food. It was a constant distraction. And so this idea of fasting is a time when that distraction is removed so people could focus on rest, focus on God, reconnect with him. What are your distractions? What do you need to fast from? I mean, going without food, that's great. Go without, if it's food, if that's all you think about, then sure. But what do you, what do you spend most of your time doing? What do you find yourself just saying, taking time and time and time for, being distracted by over and over? Start to remove some of those things from your life, and you will see how much time you have to rest. This week used to be called, this week of April, National TV Turnoff Week. And you're like, oh, please don't go there. Please, please, please. Like, and there's some sporting things on. You know, it's like, please, please. Now it's called screen-free week because this is what most people do with their life. Have you seen that video of the lady walking through the mall and she falls head first into a fountain? <laughs> go to YouTube. If you need to laugh today, go watch that. Just a few weeks ago, this bear got loose. It came out of the woods in Northern California and it's going through the streets and there's this helicopter kind of, going through it, you know, like when they do those chases, the guy's announcing, and then you hear him go, oh, oh, there's a person walking towards the bear, and the guy's looking down at his phone, <laughs> and he gets within, it looked like maybe 30, 40 feet of this bear, and he looked up, and you couldn't see the bear because it went behind a tree, but the guy was like shot out of a cannon the other direction. <laughs> they were being distracted. If you have teenagers at your house, they probably spend a lot of their time, uh-huh, yeah, Oh, yeah, okay. You know, think you're, you know, spending their time looking at this, looking at their screen. I've had this excuse at my house. Dad, 
I just don't have the time to get this work done. And I, I'm like, well, I think you do. I really think you do because I see you looking down at your screen on your phone for 20 minutes here, 30 minutes there. Let's start adding that up. So we had this little activity at our house. Let's just add up how long you look at that. So guess what we're not going to do this week? We're not going to look at our screens. We're not going to look at Facebook. We're not going to look at Twitter. Even LifePoint's Facebook and Twitter site will have a little something starting tomorrow morning about what I said today. And for seven days, there won't be anything on there. So if you get distracted by checking LifePoint's Facebook, Twitter account, you don't have to this week because it's not, not, not anything going to be there. And if that's what distracts you, then put your screen down. If it's TV, turn it off. If you want to start to rest, you've got to take the first step and remove distractions. And you have to determine what those are. Now, you might be here at church for the first time just checking out God, and you're like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding? You know, teenagers like, dude, you'd mean like not look at my phone? How do I, you know, how will I do anything? Do you communicate? You talk with your mouth, not with your fingers. That's what you do. And remove that distraction and see how your week goes. Now, for some of you, say in seven days without Facebook or, or non-work email or, or not watching TV, uh, you know, it's like, what are you talking about? That's like zero to 100 in one day. Now, for you, maybe it's a baby step of let's just take a morning. Let's just take a day and remove these distractions. For many of you that have been following Christ for a while, you can do it for a week. Come on. You can do that. You can open up and read a psalm and say and read what God has to say to you and participate in National Screen Free Week. I mean, I know like it's like getting close to the end of American Idol, only like a month left. And it's like, how could we miss that? It's our family time. We watch that thing around the gather. We do it as a family. <laughs> well, I've got something else for you to do as a family. On the way out, the ushers have a sheet, half sheet of paper. It's called Two Questions for Dinner. And there's two little, just short little questions on there. This week, I don't think anybody's going, you know, I wasn't going to eat this week. Now I've got to eat. <laughs> so we figured everybody's going to be eating this week. So when you sit down to eat with friends, family, or even if you're by yourself, you can just talk to yourself and think about it. Read these two questions. They're really fast. It'll get the kids talking. It'll get you thinking. It'll get your friends talking. And just do these two questions for dinner. And they're about rest and about slowing down, about removing distractions, all the things I've talked about today. So please get one of those on the way out. So take those two baby steps. Remove distractions and, and do, do a discussion this week with your family. Spend that time resting. Take a nap this week. Come home early one day. I mean, tell your boss, look, my pastor said I had to rest. I just want you to know. Here's his, here's his email. Email him because he said this would make me better. It will. In 1946, a restaurant owner started a business. And he's a follower of Christ and he made a decision. I'm never going to be open on Sunday. I'm going to give my employees off on Sunday. They can worship. They can spend time with their family, whatever they want to do. And I'm going to do the same thing. And he stayed with that commitment, never to be open on Sunday. That little business is Chick-fil-A. And they're doing okay. <laughs> Customer service, don't they beat? Don't they beat the pants off any other fast food place? Aren't they faster? Isn't that everybody there like, my pleasure, my pleasure. I mean, they really enjoy their job. Maybe it's because they get to rest. 
Maybe it's because the whole company understands when people rest, they perform better. When they rest, they get a chance to connect in relationships and connect back with God. And that's how life works. So obey the rhythm that's on the narrow path that God created you to live. And that's this rhythm of work and rest. Work and rest. It's not a luxury. It's a necessity. Go do it this week. God, thank you for this reminder that we are not created to just go and go and never stop. Let us find rest this week. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.